The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Talking the trade with us today is Kent Beadle, Director of Risk Consulting Services with CHS Hedging and Russell Consulting Group. Kent, thank you for joining us today. And as we close out another trading week here on the grain side, maybe not the Friday a lot of producers had hoped for, as we see a lot of red clear across the board. Soybeans leading the charge on the way down. Wheat here seeing its sixth straight session lower. Uh, as we start to analyze this, what is your big picture thought here? Is this a, a little bit of a speculative action and them unwinding? Finding some positions and taking some profit from the earlier run-ups. I really think it is. Uh, essentially, what we have is a, you know, what many people would call a sell the facts sort of reaction to what were some actually reasonably supportive numbers that we had yesterday on the uh, WASD report at eleven o'clock. And uh, you know, sometimes when you rally a market significantly into an important crop report like that. Um, you, know, you have speculators who are hoping for bullish numbers, who are hoping to get some additional people coming on board, and uh, are looking to, you know, to essentially sell their positions out to the new longs. And if there aren't a lot of new longs, um, you can get a, a sell the fact sort of uh, price reaction. Funds are, you know, pushing two hundred thousand contracts long, or maybe even a little bit more than that, um, and uh, they have had a fairly significant length in uh, soybeans and soybean meal as well. And so I, I think it's more about uh, uh, just uh, profit-taking than, than it really is any major changes in fundamentals. I would say that we're in the time of the year where weather becomes much more important. And, uh, you know, up here in the upper Midwest where uh, corn planting is, is actually quite slow, um, you know, we're, we would see the weather forecast right now is maybe being somewhat bullish, but I think over the broader part of the corn belt uh, where corn is planted and corn is up, a warmer but wet uh, outlook seems to be something that the funds want to take a look at as being somewhat bearish. And Ken, let's jump back to the USDA report real quick. A lot of folks have focused here on the domestic side of the balance sheet, looking at those carryouts that do appear that they're going to be coming smaller as the day go as the year goes on and looking forward. But what about that global balance sheet? Did traders or folks taking a look, did they look deep enough into the global side? Well, I think that would have been one of the areas where, you know, we could have gotten a bullish reaction. Um, I think you didn't get you know, the end user reaction to it, you didn't get buying from that sector, which is why the profit taking may be set in. But if we look at uh, uh, world corn ending stocks forecast at about 165 million tons uh, on September 1st, 2019, and you compare that to what we had on uh, September 1st, 2017 here, uh, you know, not all that, uh, you know, fairly recently at, at 225 million tons, give or take. Um, you know, if this is a very, very significant shift that we're looking at. And you see it across the board. You see uh, a shift lower in stocks in China as they continue to liquidate their, uh, their stocks. And then, of course, you have the production shortfalls in South America, both Argentina and Brazil. So you have a, a major competitor seen uh, less supply and then of course ultimately then less acres here in the u.s uh and a smaller carry out here and you've got tighter corn 
really across the globe. Where that leaves us is in a situation where if weather turns out to be not optimal or um, suboptimal, where we end up thinking about uh, a crop that is less than trend line, uh, we have to start thinking about you know the possibility that we could see some you know much higher prices when those weather concerns start to come to the fore. And Kent, when we're talking about weather concerns, kind of a timeline on that, especially when you're talking on the first end on the planting side of it. Do is May kind of a safe month so long as they can get it in the ground within this time frame? Are we okay, or is it something that really is it a May fifteenth type deadline? So the truth is, is that the statistics will tell you that beyond May 10th to May 15th, you start to lose yield. Uh, the problem with the statistics is, is that um, that's that's what happens statistically. That doesn't mean that it has to happen that way. And we've actually had some bouts of late planting in the last four years. Uh, two of the last four years have had... Uh, situations where we've been a little bit slow, at least in parts of the country, and yet we've managed to have these above-trend yields uh, in both of those cases. And so I think what happens here is that the marketplace is a little reticent to, uh, to get very excited about it. Um, but I will tell you that in, uh, in western Minnesota, in southern Minnesota, and probably in northern Iowa, we, uh, we expect that we're going to see some shifts to maybe some shorter variety corn uh, just to, uh, um, to to make sure that we don't run into uh, frost issues at the end of the growing season. And, um, you know, we wonder if we might not lose a few acres either to prevent plants uh, or uh, to soybeans, uh, just based on the, on the forecast that we have and the pace that we're going. And uh, all of those things could have an impact ultimately on our corn production. And, Ken, I hear a lot of people talk about there's such variations between forecast models. Is there one forecast model that you like to look at towards a little bit more than others? Um, you know, we look at, uh, at the runs on both the GFS and the European model uh, daily. You know, you get a European model run every 12 hours. You get a, you get a GFS model run every uh, six hours. And we look at those fairly closely. Um, there's other model runs as well, uh, but the uh, European and the GFS are so prevalent, so widely followed, and they are um, uh, very easy to, to get to online that you know, that's kind of what we take a look at every day. That's Kent Beadle, Director of Risk Consulting Services with CHS Hedging and Russell Consulting Group. We've covered a lot of ground already on the grain side of it. We still have livestock and international trade to discuss. That's all coming up here on the Rural Radio Network and the Fontenelle Final Bell. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton talking with Kent Beadle, Director of Risk Consulting Services with CHS Hedging and Russell Consulting Group. Kent, in our last segment, we talked about the USDA report that came out yesterday, how speculative markets have kind of put some liquidation here on our grain side. But what the next subject I'd like to talk about is international trade. And China this week coming out once again against U.S. soybeans. They're really throwing a wrench in things right now. Yeah, they've been making it difficult. Um, you know, we've had a bit of an FM problem uh, that they've uh, focused on in tightening up their specs on FM. Uh, that's made things a little bit more difficult all year. Uh, and then, uh, you know, they have some GMO requirements and uh, some certificate requirements that 
are uh, potentially out there that could be uh, used against us as well, and we hear some talk about that in the trade. Uh, and then, of course, there's the 25% uh, potential tariff that they may levy, uh, depending on the outcome of all of these negotiations that we've seen. Now, uh, of course, this week we did hear that um, you know there was some conversation that was going to take place between the president and uh, uh, and the chairman in China, as well as a uh, another trade delegation this time from China coming to the U.S. Uh, as early as next week. Um, so, you know, there continues to be dialogue. Uh, but um, there's also continues to be a lot of threats of, of potential trade disrupting tariffs that would uh, uh, certainly hurt us on the agricultural side. And Kent, when China, when it comes to China buying beans, they're more of fall buyers of U.S. soybeans. And the whole point of the futures market is to try and have the market in the place where it'll be in the future. But if they kind of misjudge what China does here and the, some of the market action that they're pricing in right now, if China does come back in and start buying U.S. beans, could this really turn this market volatile? Oh, sure. Again, it's going to depend on size, right? And... Uh, the Chinese come and usually take beans from us about the time that the that the South Americans start to run low on their supplies, and that tends to coincide with our harvest. Uh, they take beans from us uh, fairly steadily through the winter months uh, into the spring when the when the South American harvest takes place. And so, you know, there is a lot of chatter about um, the fact that soybeans from the U.S. right now are, are not getting in and we're not selling them, but it is true that at this time of the year we generally don't sell them very many beans. So what really is key is getting some sort of an agreement uh, that will allow us to get some sales made here for the fall. And again, uh, you know, it, that's just going to be a, a negotiation, and it's a hard negotiation, but we, uh, we ultimately believe that something, you know, something good is going to happen there. Um, if they do get an agreement and we can start to think about um, exporting as many soybeans as the USDA has in the balance sheet for next year on the, on the WASD they gave us yesterday um, at a 410 million bushel carryout relative to the 525, 530 that we have this year, you know, it's probably uh, uh, somewhat supportive to price, certainly. Uh, we wouldn't think that we would need to get a whole heck of a lot cheaper, and maybe with some weather scares, we could get back up into that ten, fifty, eleven dollar area again. Kent, let's switch gears now and move on over to livestock cash cat or uh, futures cattle, live cattle today. They saw triple digit losses. Were able to return back to the grain before the trade was over. Really, we've seen a strong cash basis in here. Can we expect futures to maybe try and go up and meet that a little bit? Well, yeah. I mean, the the trick here is is that you're trying to solve for where is the value of cash trade going to be at the end of June. That's that June contract is the lead month in the cattle here right now. Um, there are a lot of cattle out there. Um, you know, we've seen that on the cattle on feed reports. Uh, we know that inventories are large. Uh, we assume that there's going to be an awful lot of market ready cattle coming to the trade. Uh, you know, shortly, um, and so we've been discounting the heck out of the uh, where we think the cash market is going to be at the end of June. But the longer that we hold this nearby cash basis at, at a big positive number, the longer we can trade in the uh, you know mid to mid to high one twenties, like we've been threatening to do here this week. 
uh, it starts to call into question whether or not that cash decline is going to be as large as everyone has been uh, pricing into the market, and you start to get some uh, firmness, and we saw that again today when they sold the market off early, uh, but then, uh, you know, based on expectations of some good cash trade, uh, they firmed it up late into the close. And then over on the hog side, that trade just never has materialized quite the way traders wanted it to, and now they're starting to put pressure back on it. Yeah, this is a, a time of the year when seasonally uh, you know, hog prices tend to rise. Uh, we tend to have uh, a, a few less inventory and weights, uh, certainly into the summer, tend to come down. That puts less product on the market. Generally, you need a good rally in the uh, value of the cutout, uh, which which tends to lead the futures market higher. That is Kent Beadle, Director of Risk Consulting Services with CHS Hedging and the Russell Consulting Group. You're listening to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.